Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The Telegraph, the Telegraph. podcasts. A plea from the health secretary ahead of Black Lives Matter protests. For the safety of your loved ones, do not attend large gatherings, including demonstrations. The U.S. sees an unexpected upturn in employment. Today is probably, if you think of it, the greatest comeback in American history, but it's not going to stop here. And why having less hair means you could be more at risk. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. The Health Secretary Matt Hancock's urged the public not to attend protests over the shocking death of George Floyd, a black man killed by a white police officer in Minneapolis. French and Australian police are among those to have banned Black Lives Matter demonstrations over the risk of social disorder and the health dangers from large gatherings. In the UK, protests like this one in Birmingham are due to take place in cities including London, Manchester and Edinburgh over the weekend. But on Friday, Mr Hancock told the public to avoid them. Like so many, I'm appalled by the death of George Floyd. And I understand why people are deeply upset. But we're still facing a health crisis. And coronavirus remains a real threat. And the reason that it's vital that people stick to the rules this weekend is to protect themselves and their family from this horrific disease. So please, for the safety of your loved ones, do not attend large gatherings, including demonstrations of more than six people. Tens of thousands of people have already been standing shoulder to shoulder across the world, many wearing masks, but social distancing hasn't always been possible. Earlier, I spoke to James O'Neyans. He's head of activism at democratic social justice organisation Global Justice Now. He told me he felt attending was justified because of the health risk posed by racial inequality. I understand the concerns uh, around doing so. Um, And, you know, they are valid. But... There's also something very urgent about the protests that are happening now. The moment is now. In terms of the issues that are being spoken about, those those are issues of safety for lots of people in our society and around the world as well. So it's it, it's not so simple to, to say, well, it's not safe, and and therefore we we shouldn't protest. I think there's a there's a huge urgency uh, around this issue. And sometimes that that overrides, you know, other concerns. So I'm certainly supportive of people going out there if if they feel that they can. But gatherings of six or more people are banned. So even if you feel you can, is it a criminal offence? Tom Wainwright is a protest law barrister with London's Garden Court Chambers. He told me the answer lies in whether or not protesting qualifies as a reasonable excuse to breach the current social distancing rules. It's all a matter of, of balancing these things. 
because you have the right to protest, and that is an incredibly important right. A gathering of six people just isn't going to have any impact uh, as, a, as a protest. No one's going to pay any uh, attention to it. And so for the right to protest be, to be effective, it has to really be taking place now, uh, given the subject matter, and groups of six or more are essential, really. Of course, the right to protest isn't absolute. There are restrictions that can be placed on it uh, and uh, public health concerns can be a reason. But it's a question of, of, of balance. The police can't just play public health as a, as a trump card and ban all, all protests. So it's a difficult issue to, to figure out. Tom, do you think it's likely that we will see people prosecuted if they do choose to attend protests this weekend? First of all, I think it would be extremely foolhardy for the police or CPS to try to bring uh, such a prosecution uh, in the circumstances unless there's wholly exceptional justification for doing so. And I think the biggest difficulty uh, with sort of predicting saying for definite whether something is lawful or unlawful is the problem with what is a reasonable excuse. Um, And the difficulty is the same that applies to any breach of the coronavirus regulations, which is the Dominic Cummings factor. Because as I said, it would be a very foolhardy CPS prosecutor, in my view, who brought proceedings against someone for attending a Black Lives Matter protest, given that uh, Dominic Cummings drove halfway across the country and visited a beauty spot in, in breach of the regulation, potentially. And for them to then proceed against someone who's exercising their right to protest, um, well, it wouldn't look good. Um, let's put it that way. The UK's passed a grim milestone with more than 40,000 coronavirus-related deaths since the pandemic began. A total of 40,261 people have now died after testing positive with COVID-19, a rise of 357 since Thursday, according to government figures. It's worth remembering that in the early stages of the outbreak, comments from government advisers suggesting that 20,000 deaths would be a good outcome were deemed by many as extreme. Now only the United States has recorded more deaths. Its death toll stands at 108,000. True global comparisons may, of course, take months with different countries using different methods to count fatalities. But the tragic toll comes as emergency doctors issued a stark warning that the NHS is facing a winter like no other as medics battle COVID. COVID-19, seasonal flu and other pressures. The Society for Acute Medicine said action was needed now to ensure the health service and exhausted staff can cope following years of cuts. Today is probably, if you think of it, the greatest comeback in American history, but it's not going to stop here. It was quite a claim. Donald Trump's assertion that the two and a half million jobs added to the U.S. jobs market was the greatest comeback the U.S. had ever seen. The U.S. economy showed the first signs that it could stage a remarkable recovery from the coronavirus recession after unemployment unexpectedly fell in May. The prediction was that the unemployment rate would rise to over 20 percent and instead it dropped to around a little more than 13 percent. Slight difference. 
The Telegraph's deputy economics editor, Tim Wallace, says the predictions do show a dramatic forecasting error. This is a remarkable turnaround. Most economists thought it would lose somewhere between 7.5 million and 10 million jobs. After all, the pandemic is far from over. Yet it hints that moves to reopen economies can work, giving some hope that this impressive performance in the world's biggest economy could be repeated elsewhere. Donald Trump was certainly keen to highlight this as a great success, and he's had a Democrat victory in the presidential election later this year would ruin the recovery. However, that's not the whole story. In April, the US economy lost more than 20 million jobs, so even the latest improvement recovers only a small proportion of that lost employment. If restaurants and bars have to maintain social distancing, it's hard to see how they can fully recover. International trade and tourism is similarly scotched by tough rules on travel. The recovery might have started with a bang, but it will take a lot more than one good month to overcome the damage caused by the coronavirus. They may not be feeling the effects of shut hairdressers, but bald men may be at higher risk of suffering from severe coronavirus symptoms. That's according to a new study published in Science magazine. It's laid bare some of the differences between how men and women suffer from the disease. Jennifer Rigby reports. So we first saw this story flagged by the Telegraph's global health security editor, Paul Newkey, who, if listeners have ever seen a picture of him, has a particular personal interest in it. The thing is, we've known almost since the pandemic started in China that men are much more likely to die of COVID-19 than women, but we didn't know why. Now, scientists think it could be to do with male hormones or androgens like testosterone. High levels of these hormones are not only linked to baldness. Scientists now think they might actually make it easier for the virus to enter our cells and infect people. The theory is based on a number of studies, but the first to specifically point to baldness came from Spain. They were quite small but reputable. They found that among male patients in hospital with COVID-19, 79% were bald. For comparison, in men of the same age, it's between around 30 and 50%. I spoke to the lead scientist of one study, Professor Carlos Wambier. He thinks being bald is such a serious risk factor that doctors should take it into account when assessing patients, like they do with age or something like diabetes. It also raises the question of whether drugs that suppress androgens used for baldness and illnesses like prostate cancer could help prevent COVID-19. The professor and a few others are about to start trials into this, but there's still a long way to go. We become rather used to doing things ourselves at home over the lockdown. I'd bet that I'm not the only one who's planning a makeshift haircut this weekend. But there's one thing you can't, or at least you really shouldn't do by yourself, and that's dentistry. And a listener called Brian emailed to ask when he might be able to see his dentist again. Far too often, I just don't have the answers to questions about when normal life will resume. But on this occasion, I do. Dentists can reopen their doors for more than just emergency treatments on Monday. As with so much of the return to normality, things won't look quite the same. And my colleague Chrissy Turner has been looking into the new normal for your next visit to the dentist. So the majority of dentists are able to open this coming Monday. But before your appointment even begins, there's going to be some changes. So many are operating a questionnaire type system where you essentially declare your health so that it's safe for you to come in. And then they'll take your temperature on arrival too, just to check that still stands. So once you get there, there'll be perspex shields up to protect receptionists. There won't be a waiting area. So you can say goodbye to magazines to pass the time as you'll be going straight in. Hand sanitizer obviously has long been a staple in practices, but now you'll actually be required to use it before your appointment. And you'll likely be given some form of PPE to wear yourself, though obviously a mask would have to be removed for any treatment. 
we're used to our dentists wearing masks and hair coverings and gloves, but this is going to be taken up a notch now. They'll likely be in full medical grade PPE. The majority of surgeries are also operating a cashless system, so you'll have to pay by card or bank transfer too. The main risk in dentistry is aerosol creation, which is when using those vibrating water cleaners that are present in almost every treatment. And there was speculation among dentists that that would be prohibited once they did reopen, but we haven't heard that yet. If you can't get hold of your go-to hygiene appointment, it could be due to that. They also could be that typically clinics would have seen 10 to 12 patients a day, and now they can only see four to five. And that's due to the time needed in between appointments to do the deep clean of the room and change all of their PPE. This is coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis and that's your lot for this week. I'll be back on Monday evening. If you've been finding these updates helpful, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave the podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And if you have something nice to say, maybe even a short review. Thank you so much to those of you who've done so already. And for those of you who've been using it as a space to air your concerns about the UK's handling of the pandemic, please don't give me one star for that. I don't make the rules, I simply report them. If you're looking for some weekend reading, I can highly recommend a rather eye-opening piece on the world leaders embracing denial, quackery and conspiracy in the age of coronavirus. It's by my colleagues Ben Farmer, Will Brown and Natalia Vasilieva. They dub the leaders the Ostrich Alliance for having their heads in the sand. And our beauty editor-at-large has a piece that, frankly, many a TV pundit could do with reading. Annabelle Jones tells you how to achieve your best angles on Zoom calls. I'll put the links to both of those in the show notes. Don't forget that if you're not already a Telegraph subscriber, you can get 30 days completely free at telegraph.co.uk slash audio. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.